Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Bill Smoots delivers the message entitled, Day 6, From the Moist Earth. We'll also have music from the Sanctuary Choir. So join us now from the Sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab.
Our first scripture reading this morning is uh, a paraphrase taken from Genesis 1. The paraphrase was created by J. Philip Newell, and it reads as this. On the sixth days, God said, let us make humankind in our image. So the wind grew strong over the swelling sea, and from the moist earth, humanity was born. Spirit and flesh were formed in the likeness of God. Male and female came forth together. And the words of heaven were spoken on earth, Be fruitful and multiply. The earth is yours and you are the earth's. The seeds, the seas, the creatures, everything that has breath and every plant that grows. Be strong in my likeness and guard the unity of life. God saw all that had been created, and it was very good. The relationship of earth and woman and man had begun, and there was evening and morning, creation's sixth day. Our gospel reading comes to us today from the eighth chapter of John, the first 11 verses. It's an interesting story in a variety of ways. Uh, One, due to the fact that in some of the earliest biblical manuscripts, the story is not contained, and in others, it is. And so the early church was trying to figure out, was this story of Jesus or was it not? I think because of the way Jesus reacts, it is, and that's why it ultimately was included in the canon as that came together in the early centuries of the church. One of the things that I invite us to listen to as we read it is the attempt by those who were against Jesus to to really set him up, set him up to fail. They, They quote the Mosaic law at one point and saying Moses' law says we should stone this woman. What they failed to do is to fully quote Mosaic law, to say when uh, a couple is caught committing adultery that both are to be brought, that both are to be subject to stoning. And so the attempt to set Jesus up uh, is, is deep in this text. Let us hear now God's word for God's people. Jesus went down to the Mount of Olives Then early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women, Now what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. 
When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. Jesus, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So last week I tried to introduce myself a bit and give us a sense of of what interim time is about and invite us to, to dance together, hopefully with a little grace. In this sermon and next week's sermon, I'm lifting up some of my favorite, um, favorite's not the right word, some of the biblical texts that in my adult life have become most significant to me, have, have pushed me to rethink aspects of my faith in ways that I could not have anticipated. And I share these texts with you, not that they have to be yours, but just so you better understand something about who I am and where I'm coming from. And the text that is most significant for me today is the text that Terry read for us, the the Genesis text, the, the story of the sixth day of creation when God created humankind, male and female, God created them. It's the very last sentence in day six, as in all the days before it, when God looks at what God has created and says, it is good. And I'm captured by the idea that the deepest thing within every human, the deepest thing within every one of us is the goodness of God. And I find that when I begin to look at the world around me and the people around me with the assumption, the base assumption, the starting assumption that everyone's good, I look at the world differently. And so, I want to explore that idea a bit today. As a child, I loved to play in the mud. It was just one of the funnest things that I ever did. I imagine some of you may have muddy childhood memories as well. Encountering mud by the banks of a small stream or in the midst or the aftermath of Uh, a great storm, or even just a slow, rainy day like we're experiencing, or the athletic contest or practice field that left every participant a uniform, muddy brown. How about the feel of mud squishing between fingers and toes, or how mud seemed almost alive when it nearly sucked a boot off your foot as you tried to walk through it? Can you recall the disgustingly tasteful appearance of a mud pie? Do all parents dislike muddy clothes and a trail of muddy footprints through the house? Did anyone else ever get so muddy that they had to ride home in the trunk of the family car (laughs) and then strip off the offending clothes in the garage before they could go inside? Once upon a time, life just didn't get much better than mud. The line in this morning's Genesis text, from the moist earth humanity was born, sounds to me like a polite way of saying that we humans, we come from mud. 
which does make some sense given the prominent role that water plays in the creation story found in Genesis 1, what land there was in the beginning must have been pretty soupy, pretty muddy. Like a sculpture with clay, I imagine God on the sixth day taking great gobs of mud and joyfully experimenting with different forms and shape as humanity was coming together, made as we are in the likeness of God. I think we come by our love of mud honestly. As important as mud is in human creation, it is what God does with the mud that makes all the difference that makes us so unique, that gives us a great deal of responsibility to and for one another. For we are formed in the likeness of God. We are created out of the essence of God, not just muddy nothingness. So essential is the being of God to our being that if God's life was somehow extracted from us, we would cease to exist. It's really pretty amazing when you think about it. What is deepest in us is of God. At the heart of who we are is the love of God, the wisdom, the creativity, the imagination, the wildness, the goodness of God. I'm reminded of lines from Psalm 8 where the psalmist says of God, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them, yet you have made them a little lower than you, O God, and have crowned them with glory and honor. The reality that God is such an essential component of our being, of each and every one of us, points to the value of human life, the sacredness of human life, and highlights the demand, the expectation that we treat one another with deep respect and reverence. In the spiritual tradition of the Celtic Christians of Wales and Ireland and Western Scotland. This sense of God within leads to a deep reverencing of human life. No one is regarded merely as an object, for at the heart of each person is a holy mystery. It's not that we are somehow little gods, small g, but rather that when we look upon and interact with a fellow human being, a fellow child of God, our intentions and our actions toward them are shaped by the divine essence which we perceive in them, which we see in them, and by the divine essence with which we, the divine essence we experience within ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but this idea of God's essence within, even within me, sounds a whole lot better in theory than it does when I try to live 
and interact with others, when I try to, to live through this divine essence. For the ways and in which I think and act so often demonstrate only my own selfishness, my own self-centeredness, and reflect little or nothing at all of the divine essence which God has placed within me. Frequently, my actions and the thinking or lack of thinking that lies beneath them stand in stark opposition to the love, the imagination, the wildness, the wisdom of God that has been imprinted upon my DNA, has been imprinted upon my soul. I wish I could explain this gap between how I was created to be and how I actually am. It's almost if God's image, God's essence within me has become covered up, has been obscured by my brokenness, my sinfulness. My actions and inaction are like layers of mud and grime that cover up and choke off the essence of God within me. My failure to reflect the image of God in my life and the failure that I think probably most of us experience in this area reflects the extent to which we have become less than truly human, less than we have been created to be. When we forget who and what we are made to be, we live out of ignorance instead of wisdom. We live out of fear instead of love. We live out of fantasy instead of reality. The more we forget that the image of God is the deepest reality within us, the less we delve into our inner depths for the gifts of God that await us there, the less we make use of the spiritual resources implanted at the heart of our being, and the more we come to believe that these resources simply don't exist, that they are not there, and the less we believe that such riches are within us, the more we treat ourselves and especially treat others with a lack of respect. Does this sound familiar? Does this reality ring true in your life as it does in mine? Now, we, now before we sink into despair over our squandering of God's essence, we would also do well to remember that the actions of God are more powerful than anything that we can do to unravel them. The divine likeness within us may be hidden or forgotten for a season. It may be held in terrible bondage by our wrongdoing, but the image of God remains at the heart of who we are. Even though we may live at what seems like an insurmountable distance from God's image and have distorted this image, ultimately we cannot erase it. We cannot remove God's essence from us because it is a gift that is not of our doing. God's essence within us is first and last and always a gift from God. The failure of our lives and the falseness of what we have become 
do not have the power to undo what God has woven into the very fabric of our nature. And this essential goodness is reaffirmed, I believe, through the additional gift we receive of Jesus and the recreation that we are able to experience through him. We have been given the gospel not to tell us that there are flaws and blind spots in our humanity. Instead, we have been given the gospel to tell us what we no longer know about ourselves, to remind us of what our souls have forgotten about our creation. Deeper than the failings of our lives is the blessing of our nature. And it is into this blessedness that we are continually called to be reconnected. Consider today's gospel text. Perhaps Jesus drawing with his finger in the dust is only a mindless activity. And yet perhaps it is Jesus in a moment when he is surrounded by deep human brokenness. It is Jesus reconnecting with the substance from which God has formed us as humans, reminding him and reminding all of us that just as women and men are created equally from the same substance, so too they are to be treated with equal justice at all times. God's invitation to us in Jesus is an offer to restore us to our purest day of creation form of humanness. And in this restored state, we are then able to perceive some things afresh. We are able to see the divine essence which God has placed within us, allowing us to perceive this same essence in each other, in all others, leading us to treat everyone accordingly. Our challenge and our opportunity and therefore our spiritual homework today and in the days to come is for each one of us to look at the people around us differently, starting here in this room, but, but look differently everywhere we go, to look for God's essence within them and to be pleasantly surprised and filled with hope by what we find Now, hopefully you heard me use the word spiritual homework a moment ago. I invite you to get used to this phrase and to this idea of spiritual homework. For most weeks, I assign us all spiritual homework, something to carry from this place. For I believe that the faith building that we start here in worship each Sunday is so necessary, so important to us, that we have to devote way more than an hour to it each and every week if we are to grow in the faith and the love that God intends us to. And so on many Sundays, we will depart from worship with a homework assignment, a spiritual homework assignment for the week ahead. If you thought church learning ended at confirmation, no, that's wrong. This week, our assignment is to challenge ourselves 
to select one person in our lives, one with whom we're struggling to like them right now, one with whom we do not agree, one whom we fear. And let us work hard through prayer and attitude and taking the first step. Let us work hard to see and affirm the divine goodness within this person. And let us then exhibit the courage to treat them like the divinely created, divinely imaged child of God that they are. For an essential aspect of reverencing the image of God in others is to refrain from disparaging them or even believing another's words of disparagement about them. Now, it's my guess that none of us, myself included, will make big strides with another person in this first week. For the same mud and grime that covers up their divine essence covers up ours as well making it difficult for us to see beyond ourselves and to see into another with much clarity. But when this challenge seems impossible, when we're saying this is just not something we can do, we can recall what God was able to accomplish with mud on the sixth day of creation, remembering as well that God was pleased with what God had accomplished, that God called us and continues to call us good. Let's all just think about that for a moment. The deepest thing within us is the goodness of God. The deepest thing in any person anywhere is the goodness of God. Friends, for me, this is a game changer, as I hope it is for you as well. By our imitating God's muddy, life-giving work and by our embracing the goodness of God's essence dwelling within us, I believe that slowly and intentionally, one handful of mud at a time, we can remove the mud from our hearts and see once again God's goodness in others. And through our caring, through our daring to see this divine goodness in others, they are in turn freed from their muddiness and once again able to also see God's presence in themselves and in the lives of those around them. From the moist earth, humanity was born and God saw that it was very good. Let us go out and live in this goodness for which we have been created, and in such living, let us know the joy, the love that we can bring to others, that we can bring to ourselves, and let us know the joy and the glory we bring to our God. Amen. You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org 
tap on the graphic marked Sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org. That's T-A-B-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. Tab.